All right. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Under the Dome. I'm your host, Alan Ulrich. Uh, I'm here with my uh, somewhat nervous, uh, cramming his food down his throat right before we go live. Partner here, Sean Williams. How you doing tonight, Sean? Doing fantastic, man. How about yourself? Uh, you doing okay? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, I'm trying to get bullied into buying a dog or taking a dog in right now, so <laughs> you have to excuse me while I uh, come up with some more sarcastic comments on why we shouldn't do this, but we're probably going to end up doing this. So, what uh, all else quote movies? That seems to work. Here, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Um, of course, we want to invite you guys to subscribe to our YouTube as well as our iTunes channel as well. And we want to thank the Fan First Productions for sponsoring us. Um, and without further ado, I want to introduce a very special guest. Uh, the Future Stars League, uh, which this is the, the thing we've been telling you guys so much about. And the, uh, the, the upcoming events here in Monroe, Louisiana that we are to sponsor um and let me see <laughs> bear with me guys uh we want to bring in right now miss kimberly gant how are you doing kimberly i'm doing well sean how are you uh real, <laughs> real quickly uh, could you explain to our, our audience here um exactly what future stars league is and uh basically kind of give them some idea of the mission statement that these guys have as far as what they're doing with these kids i sure will well future stars league what we're doing is we're looking for the top athletes student athletes rising seventh graders and eighth graders what we do is we bring them to our camps and at our camps they are they are coached by former nfl players where they learn technique and skills as it relates to the position that they play. And while we're doing this, we are looking at the student athlete. So we're just not focusing on the athletic abilities, but we're also focusing on the academics. And we're letting them know the opportunities that they have and how they can utilize their athletics in order to move forward in life. So and this, is, this that, isn't uh, just... I was going to say, this isn't just uh, football, then. It's also academic. Yes, it's academic, uh, and well as with parents, because with our parent programs, we have a mom university. And at our mom university, there are different topics that take place there as well. So we talk to them about recruiting, uh, about injuries. So we're, we have a full educational program, not only for the students, but for the parents. But we maintain relationships with all of our players throughout the year. So it's just not like a one and done. So mm -hmm. once we go through tryouts, we keep that relationship with the majority of our players really throughout their football career leading up to being recruited for a college ball. Okay, uh, one, thing, one thing that uh, Terrell pointed out to me earlier today that uh, I, I wasn't really aware of uh, up until he pointed it out to me was the fact that these kids, they're uh, currently 7th and 8th graders right now. It, during this school year, they're 7th and 8th graders. But 
these guys that they are uh, they're playing with or playing under in uh, both the Future Stars League and the God Hands University uh, group as well, they follow these kids, they follow their progress, and try to open the doors for these kids to get into college. Yes, and if you go to our website and our page on Facebook, you will see where Terrell has been taking some of our rising 7th and 8th graders on recruitment affairs at major Division One schools. So we, we that groomed was, them. That, that was okay. recently at uh, West Virginia, West Virginia, I believe, correct? That is correct. And he also did one at the University of Tennessee. He took some uh, students there. So what we're doing is we're getting these young athletes at the prime where they are with very pivotal because we, we see them throughout middle school, through high school. So by that time, we have developed, we know them as a player. They've worked with our coaches. We've worked with their homeschool coaches as well and partnered in order to ensure that this athlete is going to the right school because on Terrell's recruitment, when he's taking these players, he pretty much identifies what division that they should be in as far as uh, whether we're looking at Division One, ACC, because he's been, he's been with these kids anywhere from six to seven years. Sure. That's, that's good. That's really good. Well, you know, um, <clears throat> I'm a former athlete. My uh, my son played some ball. My daughter played basketball. Uh, so, I, you know, I know all about a lot of the, you know, stuff that you're talking about. My wife does ACT prep. Uh, so, you know, it, it is. It's a, two, it's a two-sided deal. It's, it is. You, you, not only do you have to develop your physical skills, but we're, like we tell the athletes all the time, you know, how few of them actually make it all the way to, say, Division One football. Right. You have to, and you're only one injury away from not playing ever again. Uh, you, you know, you really have to prepare yourself academically. What happens if your dream doesn't come true and you have a, you have a, a knee injury or, you know, you just didn't make it? Uh, so, you know, the academic side is important, too. They think it's just going to be this red carpet that rolls out and you're going to be from mm -hmm. an all-star in high school to an all-American in college to a first-round draft choice in the NFL. And it just doesn't work out that way for so many of them. So that's great. Yeah, because we want to give them a real 360 transparent view because as mm -hmm. to your point, Alan, you're one injury away. So, and what if you're not in that elite draft or what, you know, signing day if no one calls you? However, what we're teaching them is that with your academics, you can still go to a school and perform. Correct. And Absolutely. it's a possibility that you may go on to maybe not your Division One, but some other school that looks for your expertise and your specialties. So that's what we try to prepare all of our kids for and getting them at this age. And we you are exposing them at an early age. So they, they're not seeing the program through rose-colored glasses. And yes. by having the formal NFL players there to actually coach, and uh, some of our coaches have played Division One ball uh, across the board. So, And then they see the ones that went to the NFL versus the ones that did not go to NFL and had very great college careers. 
So it kind of puts everything in perspective for them to say, hey, and so now they're looking at those individuals saying, because we also do a career day. So they're able to see what these players are doing after football. You know, there's a fifth quarter and it's after football. Yep, absolutely. I used to, uh, I used to well, teach uh, a long time ago. And, oh, well, let me tell the story real quick, Sean, then we'll go ahead. But I used to teach a long time ago. And I told, uh, <clears throat> I used to tell the, the football players in my classroom, I said, let me explain something to you. I said, you take an LSU versus Alabama game. Players on each side of that field that are on the sidelines, you know, counting starters and the whole bit. I said, that's 200 kids. The NFL drafts 237 people. That's one game, two teams, basically making up almost the entire NFL draft. Then you start looking at the schools, the, the colleges. Mm-hmm. You have 500 uh, colleges out there, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. I, I use the old terms. You know, when you think about that being – how many kids go to those schools and how many kids play football and so forth, you start seeing how the numbers shrink. Yes. And the odds of making it that far. So, you know, it really, it really hits them, hits, uh, hits home with them because they start to think about, well, yeah, only one game and that's all the athletes that make it to the NFL. I, yeah. I think it's just not, it's a finite number of jobs. I think that it's kind of a fine line that you walk there. You want to fully, encourage these kids that hey you can beat that one in a million kid if you want it bad enough if you Mm -hmm. work hard enough to achieve your dreams you can be the one but at the same time you don't want to delude them into believing that all you got to do is throw a penny in a wishing fountain right and your all of your your wildest uh, dreams are going to come true and you have to be prepared for basically the a uh, hundred to one shot that you're not going to be that one in a million Absolutely. that makes it right. Absolutely. And what we do is Commend you guys on the job that you're doing. Thank you. Because what we tried to make them see also is that, you know, sportsmanship and football plays into your everyday life. So, Absolutely. you know, they, we teach our kids that no matter whether you're drafted or not, or whether you're drafted on the high school team that you want to be on, you're still a success. And that's what we want to get through them because the principles that our program teaches is about sportsmanship. So we can pair life skills so they're able to see and balance. So they understand, you know, I have to work hard because we put it out there saying, hey, here's what that's the golden trophy. It takes a lot of hard work and dedication to get there. How dedicated are you? But also the principles that you learn within this program is not only good for the football field, it's good in everyday life. Absolutely. 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 You know, I and, and any of the people that are regular followers of our show know my experiences. I, I had the opportunity a day or so ago to talk to a, a man that coached me 30 years ago when I was wow. still playing at a at a much younger age. Uh, But, you know, I had the opportunity to thank him for the, the impact that he made on my life because you fast forward 30 years beyond the, the interaction that he and I had. And some of the lessons that he taught me were, 
to win, and it didn't have anything to do with football, but it it came around. It was more impacting how I dealt with cancer. Right. You know, there are so and people that have never played football, a lot of them don't really get how it equates over into real life. But if you learn how to win at football, it's just important to learn how to win life as well. Yeah. If you're a successful and you see uh, in terms of New Orleans Saints, you see examples, Junior Gallette. Yes. You can be the most incredibly uh, successful athlete in the world. But if you suck as a person, you really haven't accomplished a whole lot. Right. Right. And that's what we, you know, we don't identify, get that star mentality on our program. So one thing about our program is that we give that individualized attention to each of the student players. You know, the coaches, once the teams are established, the coaches are following these kids throughout up until it's time for our game day. So, you know, we tell the parents, you know, if you're having problems with Bobby and Bobby's not making the grade, you know, we need to talk to him what's going on academic because we let him we let him know that he is a 360 player and understanding what a 360 player means within our program. And I think that that is the biggest part of it. You uh, you make these young men understand and, and something that I feel uh, being an man as I am, I feel is incredibly lacking into in this millennial society uh, is the concept of being accountable for your actions. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. It is It is greatly missing and we hold them totally responsible, you know, because anytime they say, well, uh, mom did this, we're, we, you know, our coaches are right there like, no, that's your responsibility because you have to learn how to manage your time. So if you want to play and you want to be a part of the team, you have to manage Every aspect of your life, your academics is a very important phase in your life. That's that's your main career. And that's what we make them focus on is that your education is your stepping stone to everything that you want in life, including football. Absolutely. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for coming on. And um, absolutely. absolutely. I want to let everyone know locally here in uh in Monroe, Louisiana, our date for the tryouts for the Future Stars League will be April 22nd, 8 a.m. at Wasman High School. That uh, is correct. Uh, and if you guys will go to our Facebook page, there's a that we've put up um, that shows, uh, I know that uh, New Iberia High School Pineville High School and other places are, uh, are also hosting these tryouts. And uh, Kimberly, you can correct me on, on this uh, progression here. From these tryouts, a, an all-star team is selected from the state of Louisiana and the state of Mississippi. And this culminates in a four-day event in uh, July 14th through the 17th here in uh Monroe, Louisiana. Louisiana. Everyone will be hosted by the University of Louisiana at Monroe. And it, it leads up to the, uh, the culmination, which will be the Louisiana versus Mississippi All-Stars, which will be held this year at Wasman High School. 
And it, from our vantage point, we're, uh, we're trying to uh, encourage the hashtag break the streak. Uh, okay. The, the Louisiana stars have not <laughs> yet done this, this event. And it's time for our, our young Houdat Nation bees to to rise up and to uh, rise up <laughs> definitely and like i said uh what's so great about our experience when we bring them to what we call our big game day our big game day gives them the fanfare that they would experience on the nfl level uh we have a press day where they are talking with the local press uh we host a banquet you know uh for the <clears throat> kids and the parents uh, the night before the game for them to fellowship uh, collectively as a co entire unit, not just the Louisiana, Mississippi, but as a collective FSL family. So that brings great because, of course, you know, we are into the trash talking. So it, it's great. And it forms great bonds even among the state lines, which is really great. Uh, but with this program, they get to experience what it is to play college level and football level. So we want to give them that level of experience so they can be exposed to it. You know, how do they talk to the media? You know, we're, we're helping them out with that as well. And, you know, to see their faces when they are actually being interviewed, it, it's priceless to see a rising seventh grader and a rising eighth grader, you know, and then they like, can I do the retake? Can I do the retake? You know, and, but it, it's giving them exposure. So, they are groomed at a very early age on how to handle press, you know, how to be, like I said, uh, with the banquet, you know, it, it's a great experience for them. And when they walk into that stadium, our crowds have ranged anywhere from two to 5,000. So when they walk in that, you know, onto that football field and they see it, you know, we do a walkthrough just like with any college team as they walk through. Well, I went to Ole Miss, so we walked through the Grove. <laughs> our mm -hmm. team walks through the crowd. So they get to walk through and we do a parade. So we do a parade tailgating. So it gives them the level of experience that they're, they will experience on the college level. I think that's incredible. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, can you give everyone the, uh, where they, uh, an email address, uh, 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 Sure. Uh, yeah. For more information, oh, you okay. can go to. Uh, there, that's what I'm trying. <laughs> you can uh, go to our website, which is www.futurestarsleague.com, or you can call us at 615-678-9054. Thank you so much sure. for joining us. Uh, Alan, <clears throat> did you have something else? Yes. No, no. I, I was just going to say thank you again for all the information. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this because I think this is just an incredible experience. That game day experience sounds amazing. Um, that to me. And our draft. I didn't even mention our draft. We do a draft. Oh. So we actually have. So when we're selecting the teams, mm -hmm. we make a call to them. We make a call to them and we put up, I mean, just like your NFL drafts, we do the same ticker. We put up, here's our starting lineup for the positions That's of our great. quarterback. So it That's gives great. them a full experience of how this will look. And you to see the kids at this age and when they post their pick, you know, the parents are, you know, giving them say, hey, you got the call. Mm -hmm. You would think that they have just got drafted for a major NFL team. 
Awesome. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. It really is. Uh, yeah. I, there's anything I miss. Uh, and even when I was, I, I coached, you know, my kids when they were little on the playground and stuff like that. But there's anything I miss. It's that game day, uh, run out on the field to music and you run through the banner, the whole bit. I mean, that just, that, 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 that is something that, you know, you just can't replace that high. You know, you were it's so priceless. Yes, you were so <laughs> pumped when that happened. So, absolutely. Well, once, thank you again. Once more, uh, I want to reiterate the date. Uh, locally here in the Monroe Monroe area, that tryout will be at Wasman High School on April the twenty second at eight a.m. through eleven a.m. We want to invite everyone to come out and be a part of this. Uh, it's not only important if if you have kids uh, and and all that, but it's also important for the, our Houdat Nation brothers and sisters to get out and support this. This is a very worthy cause. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Absolutely. our support. Thank you, thank yes. you guys so much. Yes. We thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you very you, much. Kimberly. All right. All righty. Um, Okay. Uh, all right, Sean. Um, you want to go ahead and get started on the uh, on the news of the day? Yes. Uh, I, I'm trying to get it in, in chronological order here. Uh, oh, okay. I, I don't know if I will or not. I think Saints News this week. Um, we had the return uh, of a familiar face, which. A uh, few conspiracy theorists will probably say is the reason that uh, Brandon, Brandon Cooks was traded so that Chase Daniel would be able to get his uh, original number 10 back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, returning. And, uh, Alan, to you, I, I want to ask, do you think that with Chase Daniel returning, that makes Luke McCown the two- to three-year backup now does that make him expendable? You know, I don't know. Uh, honestly, as like I tell, I told people before. You know, you you had uh, you had Luke McCown here for a couple of years. Uh, it's probably been about three years. You know, Chase was looking for a starting job, and he went to Kansas City hoping to get a starting job. He went to Philadelphia hoping to get a starting job, and both times he got beat out. Uh, once by Alex Smith in Kansas City, and the other by uh, Carson Wentz, the, the rookie last year in uh, in Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, I think Chase was looking around the league to see if maybe he can get hooked up with the Jets or the 49ers or someone where he had a shot again in a starting job. It didn't happen, so he's coming back to New Orleans. So, yeah, it's going to be a battle, and I think this battle will go on through training camp between, uh, you know, Chase and uh, Luke. I'm not ready just to to write off Luke and say, okay, well, you know, thanks for having you for a couple years. Uh, Chase has got the job again. I think it's really going to be an interesting battle to see who's going to win that number two job because the loser isn't going to stay on the roster. The loser's gone. Um so, and with whether these, or not with these guys, I, I don't I, normally in quarterback competitions, you'll have a guy that 
rises to the top and emerges the starter. And mm-hmm. uh, normal procedure is whoever that guy that doesn't – I mean, you, generally in a quarterback in, in camp, a quarterback competition consists of three to maybe four guys. It's not ever just two. That that guy will rise and be the starter. That second guy is going to be the one that you see on the sidelines carrying the clipboard. But mm-hmm. – Three and the four guys, somebody gets cut, somebody goes to the practice squad. And, and the interesting thing here about McCown and Daniel, neither one of these guys are going to be practice squad players. No, no, they can't. They're too old. No, it, it's – look, Here, here's what's going to happen. You're either going to have two quarterbacks or you're going to have three quarterbacks with the third quarterback being the rookie that they either draft or bring in as an undrafted free agent. I, I think Grayson's gone. I think uh, the battles in between Luke McCown and and, uh, and Chase Daniel, and if they draft somebody, which I'm I'm about eighty five percent sure they're going to draft a quarterback. Uh, I just have that feeling. Uh, I don't know who it's going to be. I have the people I like, but I just have that feeling that quarterback will get drafted. And really, that guy, you really think? Well, yeah, I do. I, I, I think. Peyton I would have had a, 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 I would have had an easier time believing that they would draft a quarterback for uh, Hightower signed with San Francisco. Now with Hightower, and I, I need to preface this a, a, um, a bit. Hightower, I didn't think that running back was a position of need going into this draft until mm-hmm. Hightower left. Hightower leaving makes running back. It may, it's not going to, in any way, shape, form, or fashion, supplant that edge rusher, that defensive back that we're, we're desperately needing. But it's leaving. That changes the scope a bit because no longer do you – I mean, you'll have Ingram, but at, as uh, status quo right now, you got Ingram and then Cadet. And that's, that's just you not going to get you it. You have Ingram, Lasko, and Cadet. And Lasko was hurt a lot last season. Lasko, I think they think and offer a lot of the same things that uh, – holy crap. Uh, <laughs> just text messages. I'm sorry. Um, you know, Ingram Ing- – Cadet – I'm sorry. Back up. Lasko is – they're hoping it can do a lot of the same things that Hightower did. Uh they think he's going to be more of that power runner inside between the tackles to give Ingram a, a spell. Um, and Cadet, they're really looking for an upgrade from Cadet, and I think that's where the running back that's going to get drafted is going to come from. Listen, people are going to be mad, but I'm going to tell you this from the outset. You're going to see more offensive players and defensive players drafted. You can – Get pissed off. You can throw things at the TV and say Sean Payton's insane. We'll never be anything more than the '79 team. Keep doing this, but you look at the number of linebackers they brought in in free agency. They've signed at least one defensive end to kind of act as a rotational guy with the other defensive end. They're going to eventually draft. You know, they put they've gone all in for cornerback. Uh, with, you know, we went with um, uh, Norman, Josh Norman last year. They're, they're still trying to get after, uh, get uh, 
Butler. They will still draft a cornerback, but I think it's going to be an edge rusher and a cornerback that gets drafted, and the rest are going to be offensive players or depth. Uh, the signing of Raphael Bush, I think, takes the pressure off of them for a year to have to go get a safety. So that's why I think where I had my little mock drafts that I've kind of put together in my head or written down somewhere, I had a safety going. I'm now pushing up defensive end, cornerback, receiver, running back, and quarterback all going in the first three rounds. And people are going to be mad, but that's what's going to happen. Uh, well, people, people can that's get just mad my, my gut feeling. That's just my gut feeling. Mad all thought to that being mad doesn't change what reality is. Uh, and you know, that being unless said, I, unless the players they want are gone, and they've got somebody else on the board that's rated so much higher. But the people who are looking for Ruben Foster, the people who are fantasizing about, uh, uh, I. Damn, I just lost his name. I should have my draft book next to me. Barnett. Uh, no, not Barnett. No, I got Barnett in there. Uh, I'm thinking the, um, he was a linebacker. It'll come back to me. But anyway, the people who are thinking linebacker, 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 you're not going to get it this time um, because you've got a huge drop-off, in my opinion, in the linebackers. You've got one or two that are really high. And then you've got a bunch that are third, fourth, fifth round kind of guys. And unfortunately, we don't have a fourth and fifth round pick. So that's where I had a lot of these linebackers slotted. Um, I think that second round pick is going to be that running back or receiver or some kind of, or if they take that in the first round, uh, your, your cornerback. Uh, you know, that's where I think that's going to be. But uh, barring the unforeseen, I really expect to see. Oh, we lost Sean's picture. Uh, I'm back. Okay. Barring the unforeseen, I really think you got Barnett or Thomas or one of those guys going in at number 11. I think that it's going to wind up being uh, Sean Payton in the war room going, all right, we took Barnett. Leave me alone. I my turn. Let have my pick. Oh, Sean Payton on offensive players is like a fat guy going to an all-you-can-eat buffet at the Golden Corral. I mean, he's just going to load up the plate because that's just how he is. I mean, that's that's that is. I mean, you start having talented receivers or running backs that can play that joker position, or you've got some kind of mismatch kind of player. And that's where the Christian McCaffrey's, that's where the uh, Chris uh, Curtis Samuels, um, yeah, those kind of players that are mismatch kind of players. I've even seen mock drafts. They have O.J. Um, OJ Howard. Howard. Yeah, from Alabama, possibly going to the Saints at eleven. I mean, that's the that's that's Sean Payton. That's what he lives for because he starts designing. Be the only, be the only team in the National Football League who's who half of their salary is being paid to tight ends. Yeah, yeah, but look what happened last year. You lost Hill for most of the season. You lost two men from the outset. You're bringing in guys off the street, and believe me. 
you go back to 2010 with the running backs. Sean Payton goes through a year where he can't do certain things because he's missing guys or missing people at a position. That sticks with him, and that carries over to the next year when it comes to drafting and how he looks at his offseason. He looks at his offseason and said, you know what? We could have won this game, but I couldn't score because I couldn't get the matchup I wanted. The guy I put in there did not execute the way I want. So we're going to get this guy. So the next time we're in that scenario, I'm going to have this guy to be able to match up with this guy, and we're going to win that matchup every time, and we can win that game even with the 27th-ranked defense. And that is how Sean Payton think. I think if you want even further uh, proof that what Alan's saying is right, just look at the free agent signings and deals that we've made thus far. Each one speaks to a specific need that we we experienced in this past season. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr. You got to have a return man, and Ted Ginn's one of the absolute. He may not be a, be a fantastic receiver, which is his position, but he's also a return specialist. You've seen gonna, very specific pieces being put in very specific places. You're going to see that the old – they showed it a little bit uh, this past year, more times than they had any other previous years. In 2006, it was his favorite play where he has the receiver run the end around. They fake the end around and give it to the back, and the back runs up the middle. They ran that in 2006 ad nauseum, okay? And I saw it a few times in 2016. With Ted Ginn coming around that end, you can actually see him hand the ball off and run uh, reverses and sweeps with Ted Ginn Jr. I can promise you that. You will see that play uh, because, again, Sean Payton, how do I get this guy? What do I do with this guy? He's got bad hands catching, but he's got unbelievable speed. I got to figure out how to get the ball in his hand so he can get in space and make a play. Well, if it comes on a reverse, I was about to counter. And again, that's where someone like Curtis Samuel fits in, too. If you go, if he drafts a Curtis Samuel, you know, that's a guy who played running back and receiver. Again, you can run the same thing. You can start out in 11, the Saints' favorite formation is Posse, number 11. And then Samuel can either line up in the backfield, a la Percy Harvin, or he can sl- slip out and go to the slot. Now you got matchup issues. That's just, I mean, when you look at the Saints, you cannot look at the NFL, you cannot look at the NFL draft and go, okay, we need a power runner because we want this. We, we need to be able to get uh, third and short with a power running game. No, that's not what's going to happen. You've got to think like Sean Payton. Um, where can I design a play that's going to create a mismatch or make the defense second guess, and we can we can steal an off, we can steal a first down, or we can steal possession, those kind of things. One more one more thing that I, I think worthy of note in terms of the week that was the the New Orleans Saints this week, mm-hmm. something that seems to be generating a lot more chatter than what you normally expect in a uh, pre-draft visit. Today, the Saints hosted one. Oklahoma running back Joe Mixon for a visit. I'm sorry. That's that's my guy. I always have one guy in the draft every year. I have one guy in the draft. I'm like, oh, man, I got to get this guy. I got to get this guy. Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, 
Justin Allen, and, and I'm going to really uh, upset all these LSU people that, and I apologize for that ahead of time, but in terms of, you know, I look at all these people, all these guys, I look at what they bring to the table, what their college careers produced, and I try to how that projects towards a professional career. For my money, there's no running back in this draft that is uh, more of a well-rounded and maybe if you want to go so far as to call it a pro-ready running back than Joe Mixon. You, he can run over your face. He can run. Uh, he can give you the finesse game when you need it. He he has this world class speed that that you would want from a running back. Uh, now, he's all a, that being said, a, I fully. Well, he's a bigger, more powerful version of Darren Sproles. He doesn't have the juke moves of Sproles because Sproles needed him, but he has the hands of a Darren Sproles but he's got the power of a power running back. Now you can't give him the ball 25 and 30 times up the, you know, off tackle or up the gut and expect him to survive a season. He's just not built that way, but you can get him his 10 to 15 touches a game, you know, maybe even up to 20 touches a game, depending on how the offense is going. Um, and man, he can, he can run inside like Ingram does but he can also run that screen pass like you wouldn't believe. He can get that arrow route, the little swing out the backfield and everything else. The reason why, of course, he's only going to be a third rounder or a second rounder maybe is, and he has first round talent, is, of course, the off-field stuff. And uh, I totally get that. I mean, you, you got it on video. He punched a woman. Um, you know, he's had – a run-in with a meter maid, you know. Um, he had some issues in high school and things like that. And I get that. But, you know, and that's why this meeting with the Saints is so important because my understanding is some teams have taken Joe Mixon entirely off their board. Um, I'm going to sound like a damn hypocrite, but I'm going to say it anyway. I can deal with a football player who gets in trouble. This is good. This is going to sound terrible. I can deal with Joe Mixon's kind of problems better than I can deal with a player who flunks drug tests. And I'll tell you why. Joe Mix, a player that, has had issues with violence. And I'm not talking about like Greg Hardy, who did that as an NFL player. A player in college or high school that had issues, some players that had issues with violence, you've got to see, you've got to take into account maturity, okay? You're not a man, you're 18, 19 years old. And this isn't an excuse, okay? But you can take someone who's done this and teach them anger management and work with them on controlling, you know, how do I deal with situations where I, it, I don't let it become violent, okay? Drug addiction is an addiction. And 
take it from someone who has been around alcoholics, who's had to deal with people who have been addicted to drugs, legal and illegal, you know, pain medication and so forth. That controls your life. And it controls your life to an extent that it, 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 your decision-making is completely flawed because it's a chemical thing that you need. You need that drug. You need that, that, that. So you do stupid things like flunk a drug test right before you go to take, uh, go to the NFL combine, you know, and go meet player, meet uh, GMs and owners. Um, you know, basically it's a job interview. Um, yeah. You, you just job do, fair. yeah, you do stupid things that you know you're going to get caught doing, but you can't stop yourself. Because you lie to yourself, you fool yourself into thinking they're not going to catch this one. It's just one time, you know. It's just one. I just needed to relax. I needed. I, I needed a little something, you know. And, and, and I've seen it. And I mean, feed, feeding into the same line of thought that you're talking about, mindset. Uh, you're you're dealing with athletes that. And more often times than not, have been treated as superior to everyone around them for the biggest part of their lives, and, and they're just thinking like, "Well, those rules don't apply to me." Yes. That speaking and, and, from someone who's been exposed, to, I, I'm telling you, uh, speaking as a former uh, person on the wrong side of of this equation, so to speak, mm-hmm. it affects your thinking. It affects your choices. It affects everything about you. And I'm not going to be one to say, you know what? Uh, You did this 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago. You don't deserve the opportunity to make yourself a man. Earlier today on Twitter, I saw a um, a post by Fletcher Mackle that, or excuse me, a response by Fletcher Mackle when it was announced, I think, Underhill. Mm -hmm reported that Mick was coming for a visit and Mackle assumed the uh, the morally superior role of saying I think that's just a bad look for someone that has preached and to such an extent about uh, cleaning out the locker room blah blah and uh, former middle linebacker Curtis Lofton replied to that and he said uh, have you never made a mistake and you know that got me thinking Uh, and I agree more on the side of Curtis Lofton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it comes right down to it, you you have to give this young man an opportunity to be a man. And, you know, what he does with that opportunity, that's all on him. And, and Ken, I'm not advocating taking Mixon in the first round or, you know, really burning a high draft choice in him, a la Lawrence Phillips or uh, anyone like that. Uh, I'm looking at this this kid from the standpoint of, did he take ownership of what he did? Yes, he did. He took ownership of what he did. He admitted that it was wrong. He clearly showed contrition that it was wrong, and he worked on correcting that. The meter made incident later on aside that he didn't strike anybody. He got mad because he got a ticket and tried to pull the whole, you know, you know who I am kind of thing. 
and you know again that's that's immaturity that that is you know you're a young person but he didn't strike her and there's no since that incident with that girl there hasn't been the repeated things of you know what he really did something stupid uh again you know did he really learn his lesson again that kind of thing and that's why I'm more willing to give him a shot as opposed to a player like Randy Gregory, who, you know, flunked a drug test before his, uh, before the NFL combine last year. Speaking of which, and this is going to kind of change gears a little bit, when we talked about Reuben Foster before, um, I heard something the other day, I mean, today, and I really thought about it. And it, it is true. You know, when Ruben Foster got thrown out of the – sent home, I should say, after the NFL Combine uh, for that issue with the nurse and everything else, and they've had some issues going on with that, and they've tried to paper over that by saying, well, you know, they uh, – he was – he felt like he was being pressured, that he needed to be at this job interview and so forth. Um, I heard a guy say, "Do you have you ever known anyone to get sent home from a job interview? And you think about that, no, not really, because, you know, if you get sent home from a job interview, odds are you're not going to get a job there. So, I mean, that's basically, but now you, if you think about it, that's basically what happened to him. Yeah. The man got sent home from the NFL Combine. You got sent home from a job interview. So you got a shoulder issue, which may or may not be something that carries over the next couple of years. You might get over that, but you might not. And... You got sent home at the combine from doing these things. Mixon, on the other hand, wasn't invited to the combine. You don't think that yeah, they, sticks uh, with him? You don't that, think that sticks that, with him? That was a rule that they uh, that they enacted. Uh, I want to say two years ago, one year mm -hmm. ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. That any uh, anyone involved in domestic abuse cases was not. Yeah. Right. I figure uh, that this is domestic. Uh, I, I I have no idea, but um, I know. But it's it, like I said. He here's a kid that he has had a lot of things happen to him at an early enough of an age that he can learn from them. And he, if he, as long as he said these interviews, all the right things. Um, you know, I think he will be a steal because you're getting a first-round talent in the second or third round. I'm hoping it goes. he goes in the third round to the Saints. Uh, and like Randy Moss back in 1997, he's probably going to be somebody who's going to come in with a huge chip on his shoulder to show, hey, man, let me tell you something. You assumed all these things about my character. I'm going to tear up the league just like Randy Moss did. And man, would I be ecstatic if that's what we get because, you know, I, I watched Atlanta with those two running backs and I'm telling you with Ingram and Mixon, you know, you can, ex you can add another five years on a Drew Brees' career with those two. That's Absolutely. just me. That's and, just me. Like I said, uh, I, by no means am I Mike Mayock or, uh, Mr. Slickback Hair. Who the hell is Mel Kuyper? Uh, oh, I got to hold a cup like this. Who the hell is Mel Kuyper? Do you remember that? That was uh, Vince, I mean, uh, Bill Tobin. Yeah. 
Bill Tobin. Vince Tobin was defensive coordinator. I saw that live. Uh, that was hilarious. That was unbelievable. That uh, when that happened, um, uh, you know, with, with the whole Trent Dilfer thing in the Baltimore Colts, that's when the draft was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's just not like that anymore. <laughs> it's too media. It's too structured and everything else. You know, guys just going off. You know, it's just I miss that so badly. Uh, you know, and, and Toby goes on and talks about my mailman neighbor knows more about uh, about the draft than Mel Kiper. Oh God, I remember that. That and the Jets fans booing every one of their picks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the uh, good old days of the I, NFL draft. I can remember uh, going back to probably eighty-two, eighty-three, maybe. Uh, I, I lived in Oklahoma and. I was told that uh, I found out when you know this was one of the first years that ESPN was actually carrying the, the beginning of the draft. I said I'm gonna stay home from school and watch this, and she said, uh, "No, you're not." And uh, <laughs> the day before, uh, there was a situation at the school, and I I, uh, I was basically asked to uh, stay at home and think about my actions for the next three days. So I got to see the draft after all. The first draft I saw was uh, 1988. That was the first one I watched uh, when we selected uh, uh, Ironhead. And, um, yeah, that was that – was, that was fun. That was fun. Um I well, think the, the, probably the first. The, I think probably the first the that I, I I watched the first was that uh, what was it eighty three the quarterback class? Which one? The eighty three quarterback class: Marino, oh. Elway, uh, O'Brien, uh, so on and so forth. Was that the right eighty mm-hmm. three? Eighty three class, eighty three. Yeah, because yeah. you had Marino, Elway. Uh, Blackledge, yeah. who was actually the most decorated quarterback. Uh, he was Steve on the Young national Yes, yeah, Steve Young and uh, and um, uh, Jim Kelly both were in that same draft class too. If I remember yeah. right? Yeah, And Jim um, Kelly didn't actually come into the league. And no, Kelly, Kelly, Kelly went to USFL, the Houston Gamblers. And uh, Ken O'Brien with the Jets. Uh, Tony Eason with the Patriots was in that same draft class. Uh, The Saints took in 1983. uh, Trying to remember. Lindsey Scott was 82. Um, I don't think. Oh, geez, I can't believe I forgot Alvin Tolles, 85. We didn't have an 84 first-round draft pick because of that went to uh, the Jets because uh, the, the brilliant trade for Richard Todd. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I got to look it up. I got to see. Oh, it don't take me a second. I got it. Uh, 19, 1980, 1983 was, 
Steve Court in the second round. We did not have a first-round pick in 83. So Steve Court on Arkansas, the strongest man, came uh, in the second round of 83. So we didn't have a first-round pick in 83. We didn't have a first-round pick in 84. We got one back in 85 because of a trade to get Alvin Tolles, and that was a bust. He blew out his knee his rookie year. Uh, yeah, it wasn't until 86 before we had a regular first-round draft pick again. Typical Bum Phillips. Ugh. <laughs> well, uh, but, uh, real quickly, um, uh-huh. I, I'm, uh, our, as the clock goes, our positional analysis is worked its way around to the safe position. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this, Al. Do you consider that uh, after one season under his belt, do you think that he is going to be in a position to step up and replace Bird, or is this something that we're going to have to continue to address uh, via the draft or so on? Um. You know, my 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 feeling is you're going to see a combination of safeties. Um, so yeah, there'll be times Von Bell is is up high. I think there'll be times you'll see uh, Raphael Bush up high. I think Bacaro will continue to play that strong side linebacker slash safety hybrid in the defense. Um, so you know I, that I. It's hard to say. Let, let's see what happens after the draft because it's still entirely possible you see a, a guy like Eddie Jackson. You see a guy like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the one that uh, Matthew, my son Matthew loves so much. Um, you see a safety. Obi-Wan Yukon. Yes, Obi-Wan Yukon. You'll see a safety come in. The only problem with a player like Obi, Obi is, and it's the same thing with uh, you know some of the other safeties I like, you're looking for a free safety. To set it up high, uh, you really don't need another strong safety back there. And you know, Obi's a hitter. He's he's basically younger, bigger Kenny Vaccaro. You really need to get more of a, a, a rangy kind of player who runs sideline to sideline as a good center fielder. Kind of like Jamal Adams. Uh, a lot like Adams, yes. Uh, but the problem with Adams is I have a feeling he's going to be one of the first LSU players off the board. Uh, I have a feeling he's going to be one of the, the first players off the board. If you want to yeah. get right down to it, I really and truly believe that he may be the most uh, most athletic guy in the draft. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, you know, Fournette, um, you're going to see him – go anywhere from the Jaguars to the uh, the Panthers. Uh, I'm hoping the Jaguars and the <gasps> Jets I know. I'm hoping the Jaguars and the Jets jump on him. Uh, <coughs> because although I don't have the feeling that he is going to be the next Jim Brown like uh, Mike Dettelier seemed to think he was going to be, um, I don't relish the idea of the Saints playing him twice a year. Um, I don't either. Yeah. Um, um, I, well, with the departure of Bird, do you see Kenny Vaccaro step and sort of being the de facto leader of this? Uh, I think he was. I, I think he was a leader last year. I really do. Um, I, I think Bird 
one of Burr's weaknesses, aside from the fact that he was injured all the time, um, was the fact that he was not a leader out there. Uh, I think Kenny Vaccaro is a leader. I think you saw a little bit of that in 2013. And I thought last year, even with Roman Harper there, I think he kind of more asserted himself in there. So, you know, Roman Harper is not going to come back. Uh, he'll probably – he may sign a one-day contract and retire. I doubt he's going to play again. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of see Vaccaro as that de facto leader of the secondary. Uh, the question really is – uh, the corners, and we can talk about that next time. But, you know, that's where the real question is more than the safeties. I mean, safety, your, my biggest concern with safety is uh, is injuries. What happens if, if guys get hurt? Like Vaccaro, would he get hurt? Raphael Bush, you know, one of the reasons why he got let go uh, his last time around here was because he got broken legs or injured two years in a row. Um, and I kind of see, I don't know. I, I, Sammy Knight was an undrafted free agent. Um, we've had some luck in the past for getting undrafted free agent safeties. Um, the guy who's still playing, um, he's still playing in the league. Uh, he's the uh, Abdul's. I can't remember. Caduce. His name. Yes. Number 42. Caduce. Yeah, number 42. He was undrafted he's, uh, safety. So, he's you know. Still playing for Detroit. Right. Uh, so, you know, don't just because the Saints don't take a draft, draft a safety, uh, the class is deep enough that a guy like Xavier Woods from uh, Louisiana Tech uh, could go undrafted. And hey, he's a little undersized, but he could play center field out there. Um, you know, he's a little. I'm going to tell you, uh, at, and I've been a uh, season ticket holder at Louisiana Tech. Uh, there are a lot of safeties in this draft, but when it comes to Xavier Wood, kid has a nose for the ball. Mm-hmm. He is always, always around the play. He runs sideline to sidelines. He's uh, he's decent in coverage. Uh, his motor does not quit, and he has a drive and a determination to succeed at whatever level he's on. Seen that from middle school all the way where he is now. He's actually from right here in West Monroe, Louisiana. Yeah. So I mean, anything can happen. Um, I just feel Raphael Bush in there now. It kind of lowers the need for a safety. I still think cornerback is very high, regardless of what happens with Butler. I think cornerback and defensive end, you know, a and one and one a when it comes to needs for the Saints team. Um, you know, if there was more depth at linebacker, I'd want to get an outside linebacker who's really need a strong side guy. Uh, but Vaccaro, again, can play that strong side position as a pass, you know, on pass defense. You could kind of maneuver people around and, and maybe make up, uh, you know, some, depending on what team you're playing, fill in that strong side position at linebacker. But, um, you know, that, that that's just – I think there's there's some uh, I think there's some possibilities there with safety um, late late in the draft. We'll see what happens. We'll just see how it falls out. You never know who slides. And 
I definitely think the Saints try and trade back into the fourth or fifth round. So, you know, there might be a guy coming in. Uh, the Saints don't take a, a quarterback in the first three rounds. There might be a quarterback right there. They may take a safety in that third round, and your quarterback falls right in there at uh, in the fourth. They trade up to get back in the fourth. You never know. I mean, we talked about that last time. You know, I'll look at the draft as three separate day ones. You know, yeah. first round on Thursday, is all, you know, then you reset your board for day two, second round, and then you reset your board again for a day three, fourth round. So That's you it. never know. You never know. Well, you know, I've okay. always been of the opinion when it comes to the draft, about the first maybe 10, possibly even first dozen picks, you can get a general feel of, of where it's going to go and how it's going to go. Uh, but beyond that, you're just – it's act and react. You're going with the best player available as per your team needs. Pick come. Well, well, I'm sorry. I, I I had to respond to something real quick. I'm sorry about that. I, I shouldn't be doing this while we're doing this, but yeah. Um, that's what happens when people text you while you're while you're doing this. Um, look, you know, <laughs> after the first round and. Really, I, I think the only place you can really sit there and say that at number 11, it's going to be a defensive end. Um, but after that, I don't know. You can really sit there and say where they're going to go on stuff. I think with – and this is something else we could talk about. With Tony Romo announcing his retirement and going to, into the broadcasting booth, I think he injured himself going up the steps. I'm not sure. But anyway, after Tony Romo – retired now going into the, into the broadcast booth that now throws Houston in the mix of they need a quarterback you know they were kind of counting on maybe getting Romo over there um so they're going to need a quarterback so what does that do to your draft board I don't think the Texans have the ammo to jump up into the top 10 to get ahead of Cleveland at 12 to get their shot at a top quarterback but where do the Texans go? And if the Texans trade up, how does that push – who who gets pushed down? You know, you might have a good shot at getting one of the top cornerbacks right there at 32. And I'm thinking like the UCLA cornerback, Fabian Monroe, uh, Morrow, uh, you know, maybe a Dory Jackson might fall down that far. You don't know because that changes the dynamics because now if – if the Texans go cornerback, uh, quarterback, they're not in a cornerback market anymore. They're not in uh, – and other teams have to start rearranging their draft board because now they have to – they're sure that the Texans are going to want a quarterback. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Well, uh, we want to remind everyone that on April the 25th, we're going to be – going to be – man. Just an hour talking. <laughs> we want to remind everyone that uh, on April 25th, we're going to be doing our first annual uh, Draft Palooza Extravaganza two hour pre draft show. Uh, whatever you want to call it, we'll let you guys know it as far as I'm concerned. But we're going to be doing a two-hour show on the uh, the final Tuesday before the NFL draft happens. Uh, and 
we're going to have so many guests and have so many things going on. Uh, we want to invite everyone to be a part of that. We want to thank Miss uh, Miss Kimberly for joining us earlier tonight. Absolutely, Miss Kimberly Gant uh, from mm -hmm. God Hands University. Thank her so much for being a part of our show. Thank them also for the opportunity to stand with them in representing such a, uh, a fantastic thing that they're trying to do uh, in a worthwhile call in the Future Stars League. Uh, Alan, you need to address? No, not today. I kind of, I kind of took over a little bit over there with the, uh, with the whole, um, my whole mindset about the draft and everything else and with, you know, with Mixon. Um, look, here's the thing. My only point is here, here's what you have to consider when you're thinking about the NFL draft. You're drafting, you have to draft the best player available. You cannot look at the draft as saying, okay, we've got holes at cornerback, we got holes at linebacker, we got holes at defensive end, we need a receiver, we need a running back, we need we need all these things. Um, you make more mistakes when you reach for a player of need. Um, and I always refer to two draft picks. In 2001, we drafted Deuce McAllister in the first round. That's two years after we traded our entire draft for Ricky Williams. And we gave up two picks in 2000 for Ricky Williams. Okay? And you bring in Deuce McAllister, the one position you didn't need. Okay? We need receivers. We need all kinds of positions. We took Deuce McAllister because he was a guy that was projected to go in the top 10, and he slid all the way to 27 or so. Um, flip that over to 2014. Tampa Bay Buccaneers take uh, Mike Evans. The uh, Carolina Panthers take uh, Kelvin Benjamin. Comes to the Saints in the second round. We took we took Cooks, obviously, in the first round. Come to the Saints in the second round. They reach for a cornerback with big size, 6'3", large arms, former receiver, Stanley Jean-Baptiste out of Nebraska, because we were thinking about how are we going to match up with these big receivers in the NFC East, I mean, the AF, excuse me, NFC South. You know, Julio Jones, uh, Benjamin and uh, Evans. How are we going to match up with these big guys? We need a big cornerback, and he turns out to be a big bust. So that's what happens in my mind whenever you reach for need as opposed to just drafting the best guy available. So when they take a quarterback or they take a running back earlier than you think they should or you see a player that you were in love with, you know, still on the board, they didn't take him. You know, the immediate reaction to throw a cup at the TV screen and, ah, damn it, these Saints will never figure this out. But your best players seem to come when you take guys that are just the best athletes on the board. And that's just how I'm looking at things. I agree. Uh, you know, it's a lot easier to try and take and fit your scheme to what he can help you to do than it is mm -hmm. to try to take a place position that you need and try to incorporate what he does to fit what you do 
Well, you start trying to justify a guy that you've got rated as maybe the 70th player, 70th best player on the board, and you're going to take him at 42 because you're worried you're not going to get him. So you spend the whole time trying to justify that, and you fool yourself into, into taking a guy. So then it hurts when you mess up. Um, yeah, that's what happened in 2014. I think they reached for too many guys or went out and grabbed certain guys because they needed certain positions. And uh, hopefully they learn from that. I, I, I really do. I hope that's what happened. I do, they think, from I do believe that the addition of Jeff Ireland has has increased the efficiency of, of our draft. Mm -hmm. the last Absolutely. Of I really do. Absolutely. Um, okay. Let's see. It was one. Did we get everything? I have to go back and look at my list. I think, I think we checked off everything. I, I, I'm impressed. We uh, did a good job. Yeah. We seem to have gotten everything on the and list. We're only 10 minutes over. There we go. We're getting better at this. <laughs> I figured by the regular season, we should be there. Um, yeah. April 25th, pre-draft show. We'll, uh, We'll go into even more of the draft picks. Uh, I got my draft book stacked up. I've got three so far. I'm going for my fourth one, which will be uh, Mike Dettelier's book is out. And, guys, I'm going to plug it right now. Mike Dettelier actually had something written up on David Anyamata, uh last year, and we took him in the fourth round. And I promise you, just like I said, Sean Payton with a uh, – uh, offensive players is like draft, like a fat guy getting turned loose at all you can eat buffet at Golden Corral. The Saints will, I promise you, will take a player where you have to Google his name because you never heard of him. You don't know anything about this guy, and he's not even listed anywhere in Mel Kuyper's book, in Lindy's book, Pro Football Weekly. You've never even heard of this player, and you're going, what school is this? Who is this guy? Did I spell his name right? I promise you that. that Last is year, Derek, on the Saturday of the draft, I was uh, I was guest on a live radio show. for. Uh, I was their draft guru, uh, if you can imagine mm -hmm. this. <laughs> there and I've got this computer screen in front of me and I'm just sitting there kind of like gate. I'm just going to go in. Wow. Okay. And uh, five minutes after my my segment started, the Saints drafted on Mata and the host is sitting there uh, Byron's asking me what do you know about him? I'm like I've never even heard of him. Uh, <laughs> let me, uh, let me, in the fourth round no less. <laughs> and I, I was Googling him. I was Googling him. My own personal on their computer. Uh, I'm sitting there going, uh, uh, and so I Googled his name. He's going, he's a Canadian player. And, and uh, from the looks of things, and I'm going, oh my God. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. When you, when you said that, it reminded me so much of that. First pick of the uh, 2012 draft. I think it was 2012 or 2013 draft. They got uh, Akeem Hicks. And it's like from Regina University. And I'm like, wait, what was the name of that again? Did you just say Regina on the air? What was that? No, Regina University. I'm just like, yeah, same thing. Oh, by the it, way, it happens I'll, all the time. I want to give a, a 
an update. Our buddy Puff Daddy, uh, my my man from here in town, that is uh has had such health issues as of late. I wanted to let you guys know that as of today, he has returned to ESPN ninety seven point seven. He uh returned this afternoon, and uh, I believe he's supposed to be watching tonight. And I want to tell you, Puff Daddy, buddy, I love you. Thank you so much for uh for the shout out you gave me on the show this afternoon. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, That's great news. And there, there's there was someone oh also uh I would be remiss if I did not say uh our hearts and, and prayers and thoughts go out to anyone that was affected earlier uh on uh Sunday. Absolutely, and yeah. Everyone, is uh is safe and sound um and uh we want you to know that our like i said our 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 thoughts and prayers are with you guys uh if there's anything that the hudat nation do let us know because you know as always uh tornado hurricane uh floods it doesn't matter who nation takes care of their own absolutely absolutely all right, guys. Uh, thank you guys for sticking with us all this time. Um, you know, as always, we go over time, but I'm glad you guys stick with us. Um, uh, we're getting closer. It's now April. Uh, the end of this month is the NFL draft. It's Christmas in April. Um, so, <laughs> hey, the only problem is you don't get to open these presents for another three months after after the draft. Uh, Damn you it. Fa- yeah, you can only fantasize <laughs> about how good these guys are going to be. Um, but anyway, we'll, we have our April draft uh, preview show on the 25th. And after that, we have the first mini camp. Uh, I think it's two weekends after the draft is the first mini camp. The rookies only, not open to the media. They have the first team mini camp in May. And then um, they have the OTAs. And then they take a, a, about a three-week or four-week break Um in end of end of June, like the second week of June is the end of the OTAs. Take a full week break, and then before you know it, it's the end of July and training camp begins. So we're inching ever closer to the beginning of the 2017 season. Um, I know it's hard to think about that uh, in April, but yeah, that's how it works. Um, so anyway, thank you guys for watching, and as always, um, we uh, we hope to see you next time and under the dome. Good night, everybody.